change me into your image, Lord. Hmm. From glory to glory. From glory to glory. For thus saith the Lord thy God that I am your Lord and I am that one who changes and stirs within your in your innermost being within your breast saith God and I am stirring that that I desire in you I'm putting wants and desires in you saith God those things that align with my word those things that align with my spirit those things that align with my purpose and my will and in these days saith God I will bring forth from the youngest to the oldest that souls be swept into the kingdom. Thank you, Lord mm. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Oh, Jesus. I praise you. Hallelujah Glory to the Lamb. Will you just give him praise this morning? Glory to the Lamb. Glory to the Lamb. Glory to the Lamb. Glory. Glory. Amen. I think you ought to give the Lord a hand clap for this worship team this morning. Amen. God bless. Y'all can be seated. My message this morning is titled Discerning the Times. Matthew chapter 16 verses 1 through 4 reads this way. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting desired him, speaking of Jesus, that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said unto them, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today. For the sky is red and lowering. O oh, ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but can ye not discern the signs of the time? A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed. He said, Can ye not discern? The signs of the times. Hmm. Is it still got a... Just leave it. It's all right. Um, matter of fact, I'll give you an announcement. I hope I'm going to do this, but I'm, 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 I've been working for longer than it should have taken. But this week, God willing, we're going to launch a new website. And there's a lot on social media that gets taken down. And I don't want something on that we can't control the way we want to be able to control it and use. And... Uh, so we are getting ready to launch a new church website. Now we'll put the website 
and how to get to it on our social media, Facebook and what have you. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna be launching a new website, and you won't probably, at least right now, be able to have live streaming on that website. But what I am going to do is upload the audios. So you don't have to look at me. You just get to listen. Amen. Amen. And uh, don't amen too loud. <laughs> Glory to God. Praise God. So uh, that is going to be coming. It's, uh, it's been interesting with the social media. <clears throat> When we first began doing a lot of live streaming and everybody did that, ours came out nice and clear. And uh, it's got the word, the audio is really weak at times. And then if you use a different device, it seems to come out better and then it doesn't. And So anyway, uh, that's, that's going to be something that uh, I think will help us. And it'll also give us somewhere where we can have the messages online where you can reach them at any time you want to reach them let somebody else listen to them uh, give it to a friend what have you and say go to this website you can listen to pastor's sermons and somebody else's sermon and it'll be a blessing amen, amen. praise god i'm gonna go back to that jesus said but ye but can ye not discern the signs of the times? That really was, that, that's a rhetorical question. Jesus was saying to them, you should be able to read the signs of the times. And I think that's what God wants us to do. Now hold your Bible up. Say this out loud with me. This is my Bible. It's God's holy word. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. So I boldly confess. My mind is renewed. My body is healed. I'm saved by God's grace. And I live by His Spirit. Somebody say amen. Whew. I haven't got to preach in two weeks. Maybe we should have had lunch today. No, I won't go that long. A while back, I did really a pretty extensive study on three of the greatest mysteries in the Bible. Now, there's, there's a lot of mysteries that Scripture talks about. <clears throat> I have sort of preached around it. I've just not been released to just really get into all of that yet. But the mysteries that I'm referring to are these three. Number one is the cross. Number two is the church. And number three is the second coming. The cross, the church, and the second coming. Now out of the cross or the crucifixion, it was a mystery hidden in God from the beginning. Think back, and if you've, you've read it all several times through the Gospels, 
Jesus would very plainly and openly say, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to, I'm going to be buried. I'm going to be in the grave three days. And I'm going to rise again on the third day. I mean, it was just as plain. We look back on it and we go, wow, you know. But Scripture also tells us the disciples did not even understand. I mean, it just went over their head like you telling your kid to clean their room. Amen? So, you know, there, it was a mystery hidden in God. And it, it tells us in the book of, I believe it's Corinthians, that had the princes of these, this world known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. It was a mystery that was hidden for God's people, not from them, but for them. Now, in the same way, the second coming is a mystery. I believe God has clearly spoken what is to happen. But you know, the thing that amazes me, and I am not a prophecy expert. Uh, I by no means lay claim to any of that. But even the brightest minds, and some of these people I think have photographic memories. I used to kind of say sometimes, I'm just, I got a photographic memory, I'm just out of film. But, <laughs> but I, I'm not going to claim that. But really, some of the brightest minds can't agree on the timetable of what's going to happen just before what we call the catching away, or many times we use the term rapture, which the word rapture is not in the scripture. It's just taken from a Latin word that uh, is coming out of the Greek word that literally means catching away. But it's a mystery that's hidden in God. And so we, we kind of struggle with, I mean, we've got every kind of thought that people come up with, pre, mid, post, you know, uh, I'm pan. It's going to pan out in the end, y'all. You didn't catch that. That's going to hit you on the way. But seriously, you know, yeah, I have a direction that I lean in that, and there's reasons for it, but that's not my message this morning. What I want you to catch is that God does have mysteries in His Word, and there are things that God wants us to comprehend and God wants us to understand. Just as there were some when, when, when Jesus came and was born into this world, who had, I, I believe, by the Spirit of God, a, a fraction, or you might want to say just a... a a, a glimmer of what God was revealing. I believe there are those today that we're beginning more and more to comprehend and to understand the times that we're living in. Did you catch that? If you think back to when Jesus was born into this earth over 2,000 years ago now, John the Baptist had some comprehension because John was the one that as Jesus came toward him when John was out baptizing, John was the one who said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. They understood, John fully well understood the sacrificial Lamb. And I believe it was by the Holy Ghost that John understood Jesus was to be the sacrifice. Somebody say Amen. 
Then the, when, when you read again, uh, we, we really most of them read that during Christmas. But when uh, Jesus was taken as a child or an infant to the temple and was uh, presented in the manner that he was to be presented, Anna and Simeon both prophesied of Jesus and things that were to come. But there was still that mystery that was surrounding that. Well, here's the point of all that. Y'all, Satan is, he's not a God. Somebody say amen. amen. He's a fallen angel. He's, he is a demonic principality. And I really truly believe that Satan himself as a being is insane. And he cannot comprehend or understand true spiritual revelation, even when it's plainly spoken and plainly written. Otherwise, Satan would have surrendered to God a long time ago. Really, he never would have fought against God. But I really believe that the closer we get, the more and more that there is revelation that's coming out in what is happening. And God wants us to understand the times that we're in. He doesn't want his body. He doesn't want his church. You know, people say, well, you know, the, the catching away is going to come as a thief in the night. But there are other scriptures. And when you parallel them all together, yes, it's going to be to the world as though nobody had an inkling that it was coming. And we don't know the day, nor do we know the hour when the catching away, the rapture is going to take place. But there's a lot of signs that are given us of when Jesus' second return is to come. And the rapture is going to come before that. Somebody say amen. So one of the things that I'm beginning to understand is this. The closer we get and the more we see the signs approaching, the more that we're not going to be caught unaware in the church. The body of Christ, Scripture tells us, is not going to be caught as, as though it was a thief in the night. We're going to have our eyes open. We're going to have the light on. And we're going to be the ones that are going to be able to understand that something's coming. And I believe we're, we're listening for that trumpet call. Amen? Now, if you want to go to Matthew chapter 24... I'm going to be reading some out of that. Jesus is teaching his disciples. And I'm just going to kind of introduce some of this. I'm going to just say it very quickly. I'm not going to labor it this morning. The book of Revelation. Let me, let me back up. The book, of, the book of Matthew in chapter 24 really almost reads like a table of contents for the book of Revelation. Now, I'm just going to give you one example on that. When you look at the four horsemen of the apocalypse that are given to us in Revelation chapter 6, the Bible tells us, and, and we're, we understand, the white horse rider represents the false Christ, the false leaders that are going to come into this earth. And more than likely, most scholars agree that it's probably a direct reference to the Antichrist world dictator. And Matthew 24 talks about many coming as Messiah coming in their name. The red horse rider represents what Jesus said would come with wars, rumors of wars. Uh, in the Greek, it's ethnic groups, ethnos, against ethnic group. And man, unless you've been hiding somewhere, uh, we're seeing that. In our country and literally around the world. 
The black horse represents famine, pestilence. Uh, you could use the word pandemic. Uh-huh. And it, it really means a scarcity of basic necessities. I, I'm going to throw something in here. It's not in my notes. But y'all, you know, people say, well, you know, should we, should, should, should the body of Christ, should, should Christians be preferred? I thought we were supposed to live by faith. Well, you are supposed to live by faith. But Proverbs tells us that the prudent man foresees the danger to come and prepares. The Bible also talks about the ant and how the ant is probably more prepared than a whole lot of people. Amen. And as far as being prepared for things, you know, I'm not going to necessarily tell somebody they need to go dig themselves a bunker in their backyard. And besides, uh, it's probably too late for that. And if you'd done it this year, it filled up with water. But, but you know, I, I remember when Y2K took place. That's just a good example of that because I remember we, we were just kind of going, I mean, everywhere I could look at and everything that I could read and research on it, man, they were saying our computers were going to shut down, that there were going to be systems that were going to just going to crash because of Y2K and the changeover and all, everybody's computer system and you need to download this fix and that fix and all this kind of thing. And I remember... You know, just telling our people, well, just, you know, if you knew that a, another ice storm was coming or, or you knew that, you know, this, this kind of storm was coming, you lived on the coast and you knew a hurricane was coming, you would do some preparation. You know, you'd, you'd go get plywood and you'd put it on your windows. Well, they don't use that anymore. It's too expensive. But anyway, they, you'd, you'd do the things you need to do and you'd have some, some extra food in the house and you'd have uh, some different things like that. And, and, and so the thing we told people was to do that. And, you know, the thing that was kind of funny, of course, Y2K came, went, and it just, nothing to it. But I know there was one family that was in our church then that got tickled later because the wife told us, said, you know, I am so glad that we were prepared for, you know, a week or two, or really the way they prepared, they were prepared for at least a month down the line because right after that, there were some job changes and their income dramatically dropped until they could get new income. They were both in the medical field and they, they still had toilet paper and they still had some soap and they still had beans and they they, I mean, there was just stuff that they had and it just helped them through what could have been really rough. Well, I'm saying I'm saying, you know what? We might ought to be prudent and prepare. Somebody say amen. The pale horse represents, according to some scholars, an intensification of all the above. And if you do a careful study in Matthew 24, that's exactly what Jesus said. We've always had wars, rumors of wars, famine, pestilence, all of these things. But when you see them increasing and just hitting one right after the other, just as hard as they can come, you know that these things are coming. And so that fits within that, that frame. But other scholars consider that it represents terrorism. Pale is a sickly green color. The same color as the Palestinian flag. The Islamic flag. 
And that, that pale green it has deep meaning in Islam. Terrorism. Of course, we're not seeing any of that around the world, are we? Okay. So what does all this mean to us? I think it's significant that we need to understand the times we're in and what's going on in our world right now. We're going to come back to this, not today, but we're going to come back to it. Jesus lists three major things in Matthew 24. If you're writing, the first one is deception. The second one is destruction. And the third one is defection. I actually borrowed that from somebody, but if I repeat it three times, it's mine. <laughs> I just thought it was good. Deception, destruction, and defection, falling away. And we're going to focus today on deception. Amen? Now, in Matthew 24... You know, I, I kept reading back through it, and it just really kind of struck me. Jesus mentions directly deception three separate times. In verses 4 and 5, and I'm quoting, Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Say that out loud. Deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. In verse 11, And many false prophets shall arrive, and shall deceive many. Turn to somebody next to you and say, They shall deceive many. They shall deceive many. Then in verse 24, And there shall arise false Christs, and false prophets, and shall, so, and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Now turn to somebody else and say, they'll deceive the elect. You know, the thing that struck me is, you know, if Jesus mentions something in one teaching session at least three times, and I think there's some other references in Matthew 24, but just directly three different times in the same teaching, you think maybe it just might be a little bit important. Yeah. Amen. So if you even do just a little bit of study and just begin just to do a word study on things like deception and those sort of things, and, and then you can go on from there to blindness and hardness of heart and I mean, it just, it just gets bigger and bigger the more you look at it. But deception is really one of Satan's biggest tools, if not his biggest tool. It's all started because the Bible says that Satan deceived Eve in the garden. And there's another sermon involved with that because Adam, Scripture tells us, was not deceived. Adam walked into the sin, eyes wide open. Hmm. So Satan is a deceiver. We can also be self-deceived. And we can be deceived by sin. Now let me give you just a few verses. When you look at Revelation 19.20, and you may just want to jot these down, 
Go back and look them up later. Revelation 19.20 says, And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast. Mm, boy, I could get sidelined on that. And them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. Second Corinthians 4, 4 says, In whom the God of this world, that's God with a little g, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. In Acts 26, 18, he says, To open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Satan is a deceiver. He's the father of lies. If Satan opens his mouth, he's a liar. Used to be an old saying, how do you know when a politician is lying? Are they talking? Okay. That'll hit you on the way home. So Satan is a deceiver. Amen? Now, in 1 Corinthians 3.18, Scripture says, Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seems to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. Uh, the context of that is sin defiling but we can be self-deceived how in the world do you deceive yourself you just ignore things that are out there and just keep going just because you want to that's one way 1 Corinthians 15 13 excuse me 15 says be not deceived evil communications corrupt good manners now, you can take that and do a whole lot of things with it if you want to just talk about the way people talk. But listen to that same verse in the Amplified Translation. Do not be so deceived and misled. Evil companionship, communion, association, corrupt and depraved good manners and morals and character. Hmm. That's called self-deception. Oh, I can run with them. It'll be okay. I, I, I can just, I can do that with them. Jesus ate and fellowshiped with sinners, but he never entered into the sin with them. There's a world of difference in being deceived by, well, I just want to be everybody's buddy. In Galatians 6, verse 3 says if any man or any person, excuse me, thinks himself to be somebody too important to condescend to shoulder another's load when he is nobody except in his own estimation. He deceives and deludes and cheats himself. I think it says pretty good. Let me just kind of paraphrase and say it. If a person thinks they're somebody, in their own estimation, they're just 
They're just, you know, God's gift to the world. They deceive and delude their self. If you go to thinking you're, you're the grandest thing since sliced bread, you're deceiving yourself. If you go to thinking that nobody can do everything except you, you know, there's been some ministries that have done that. Kind of like that same concept of too big to fail. Hmm. In 1 John 1 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That really parallels right there with Galatians 6 3. We have to realize we need the Redeemer, we need the Savior. We're not, we're, not, we're not great within ourselves. We certainly need Him to overcome sin and to overcome the evil that's there. And that leads us right into that third part. We're deceived by sin. In Romans 7.11, Paul talking about sin says, Sin, taking occasion by the commandments, deceived me and by it slew me. What in the world does that mean? just simply means that sin deceives. And we can get caught up and just... It's so easy to let ourselves begin to fall toward things that we know we're not supposed to get involved with. You know, they used to say a lot that, you know, you, you never see a garden that just wild tomatoes and wild squash and wild okra just suddenly come up in your garden. It's weeds that come up. Amen? Amen. Well, just a gardening tip there for somebody. <laughs> in Romans 16, 18, for they, that are, for they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. And that goes right along with 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind will inherit the kingdom of God. It finishes. There is a deception in sin that is just not as bad as it, well, it's not as bad as God says it is. And that's Satan's lie. I mean, Satan used that in the garden. You'll not surely die. But y'all, we got to understand the wages of sin is death. And do we even understand, we read verses like that in 2 Corinthians, and do we understand what some of those words mean? You know, when, when you talk about fornication, adultery, all of those terms, you know, it just simply means sexual immorality outside of a marriage covenant. And when you do that, what are we doing? We're deceiving, we're being deceived by sin. Amen? Idolatry. Well, we don't have idols in our world. Sure we do. Hollywood stars, ball players, the making of money, going after fame, all of those things are idolatry because we put them above God. 
The word effeminate is not a word that we really use that much anymore, nor do we comprehend necessarily abusers of themselves with mankind. All in the world that's talking about is LGBTQ, A, B, C, D, E, whatever other alphabet they want to throw in there. And people say, well, you're just being filled with hate. And church, let me help you with something. That's not being filled with hate. It's the love of God that we come against the sin that is there and say God hates the sin. God loves the sinner. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans that God loved us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ loved us and Christ died for us. God doesn't hate the sinner as a believer and as the body of Christ. We don't hate the sinner. We hate the sin because the sin is destructive and the sin is going to put somebody in hell for eternity. I don't hate the sinner. I hate the sin. Amen. The whole point is this, y'all. There is a spirit of deception that is loosed on planet Earth. And the Bible tells us we can be deceived by wrong or false doctrine. And that means we need to know the Word of God. We need to let the Bible be the final word. Sin will dull our spiritual senses, our spiritual understanding, our spiritual comprehension to the things of God. There is a spirit of deception. And it is across this world. Discerning the signs of the time. I'm going to get real pointed this morning. Is there, you know, what, what's going on with our world today? Is there, is there really a, 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 a pandemic? A virus? Well, there really is a coronavirus. I think some truth is finally beginning to come out of the roots of that and where it came from. And no, I'm not a scientist, but I think that uh, if, if you comprehend it, it probably, probably was created in a laboratory. There's always been what people term a coronavirus. That's been around for decades on end, but not a weaponized version of it. But even though there is a very real disease, when you have a disease with a recovery rate of really a little bit over 99%, that should not be the cause of the loss of personal freedom around the world. Somebody say amen. In Ephesians 4.14, the Bible says we should be henceforth no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. We read verses like that. Well, finish that out. You know, they lie and wait to deceive. And, and we look at doctrine and we go, well, yeah, yeah, that's, that's talking about, you know, somebody preaching something, you know, just the wrong kind of Jesus or preaching that, uh, you know, you, you're supposed to do this or that and be saved. And that. No. Well, that's part of it. But I guarantee you there's other things like that. You've got doctrine preached at you all the time. Every time you turn on ABC, NBC, CBN, CNN, all the rest of them, Fox even, you're getting doctrine spoken to you. And is it throwing us to and fro or are we really comprehending what's being said? There is a spirit of deception. How do we know those things? In January of 2020, 
A man named Mr. Fauci said, and I quote, COVID could not be transmitted person to person. You can do your Google due diligence and look it up if they haven't taken it down. Back in 2020, the CDC, the Corrupt Disease Control Center, said the immediate risk, this is a quote, the immediate risk of this new virus to the American public is believed to be low. They also told us they were going to shut things down for 14 days. Hmm. When rules change on a whim, it's called deception. Old time Pentecostals used to preach against television. And we laugh about that. But you know what? Time has proven them right. They saw a deception in the sin that was presented that people would set before their eyes. And all you got to do is go back to the example of King David when as a king he should have been out and in battle. Now as the body of Christ we are all kings and priests unto God and we ought to be in battle against the devil. But King David wasn't out in battle. Instead he was home and he turned on HBO or Sin to the Max and he watched the Bathsheba show. And guess what? He went on after that <coughs> to commit adultery and murder. So there, there was something to this about what you watch on television. Somebody say amen. But I really believe because what we're talking about is understanding the signs of the times. Media has a much more sinister and evil aspect to it <coughs> even than just the blatant in-your-face sin. Media has become the voice of a false god. I will say it again. Media has become the voice of a false god. There's a lie that says if it's on television, it has to be true, right? I'll let you answer that. I say no. What's good is called evil. What's evil is called good. I will give you one example and it's from what they called an insurrection. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It was a staged media presentation on January the 6th at the state capitol. The media for months and still reports, and I'll get into that, but they, they began to report that there was a Capitol policeman named Brian Sicknick who was reported to have been assaulted with a fire extinguisher and died. That was later on proven to be false. But the narrative continues to be presented and assumed in the way that the media simply says this officer died after the January insurrection. And he actually died of natural causes. Let me say this, and you need to listen to me, church. The media has kept America and other nations hostage for over a year by portraying the current pandemic as so deadly that unless you wear a mask, remain isolated, and of course now receive the injection, you will die and cause others to die. If that were true, why has Walmart been able to remain open during the entire pandemic, making money hand over fist? If that were true, how can it work that after you enter into a restaurant masked 
and are finely seated, the virus now cannot touch you in your Fauci bubble at the table. If that were true, why does the OSHA rules for surgical and N95 masks no longer apply? And I worked in too many machine shops not to know that we have disobeyed OSHA rules concerning the wearing of masks. It means, why do we still have a homeless population? If all of this were true, why haven't all of these homeless people just dropped dead? Why does our government allow the southern border to be flooded with immigrants and others who have other ideas and demanding businesses remain closed? There's an old adage, repeat a lie often enough and people will accept it as truth. Now I'm going to step out on another limb here for a minute. Jesus said there will be false prophets. There have been prophets prophesying. First of all, that Mr. Trump, who I voted for, would be elected for a second term. They were saying, thus saith the Lord, Trump will go back in. And then they changed it to, well, there's going to be now military action and Trump's going to retake and do some things like that. Now, I'm going to put it to you just real simple. Honestly, yes, I, I believed and I wanted very, very much for Mr. Trump to go back in. I really did. But I never would say that thus saith the Lord, he is going to go back in. So I got that part wrong as far as what I actually wanted. But the fact is that Mr. Trump is no longer in office. And there are others that have taken control of what this country is. And we're not going to get into the irregularities of the election because that's something for some others to discuss and maybe us at a different time. But... The fact is that prophets all over the place, especially on social media and on the internet, were declaring how that there was going to be a second term and now you just need to hold on in faith. And, and it reminds me of those Old Testament prophets that would prophesy to the king, oh, the Lord is with you. Go out into battle. The Lord's going to take care of you and the Lord's going to do this and the Lord's going to do that. While at the same time, the true prophet, Jeremiah was one of them, was the one who was saying, y'all, you're going to go into captivity for 70 years, and you're not going to, Jerusalem's going to get taken over, and we're going to have some problems, but if we'll just turn back to God, and we'll let God have control of everything, y'all, in the end, we're going to come out of this with God, and it's going to work out a whole lot better. Well, it worked out for it happened the way Jeremiah said that it was going to happen because Jeremiah was going by what God said instead of by what he really wanted to happen. Amen? Second Timothy 3 says this. In the last days, perilous times shall come. Pastor, you're not being really encouraging. I'm not done yet. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, 
<coughs> despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. In verse 13 of 2 Timothy, he said, Evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, not get better and better. Deceiving and being deceived. You know, I'm going to go back to Matthew 24. Jesus said they'll deliver you up to be afflicted and kill you. Pastor, you're still not encouraging me. I'm not through yet. You shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Then shall many be offended and shall betray one another, shall hate one another, and many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. Then shall the end come. It's deception. In the body of Christ, when we accept what others are saying instead of what God's Word says. Church, I'm going to lay something on the line to you. We are coming into probably, I believe, in a prophetic season, some of the worst things that we've ever seen in our lifetime. We've seen it in other nations. We think to ourselves, these things won't happen in America because we're America and America is the center of the world. But it's not really the center of the world because God says everything centers around Jerusalem and around Israel. That's God's center of the world. And so the thing that we've got to understand is that while we're trying to look at things and we want things to go back to what we call normal, it's not going to go back to normal. I wrote in my prayer journal back way in the very beginning when this pandemic was presented to the world I don't believe we're going to go back to normal and I found that a few days ago the closer we get to the catching away the more evil this world is going to become hear me church but the more evil the world becomes the brighter the light that shines in the church the more the power and the anointing of God is going to be manifested. The more people are going to be drawn toward the only real hope. And that hope is in Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, our Redeemer. Somebody say amen. Glory. God's more interested in our redemption than our relaxation. He's more interested in our salvation than our temporary safety. God wants us delivered from sin, not descending into sin. God would rather give us His presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, than to just give us earthly presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. Do you catch that? God wants to give us His presence, not just gifts. And there's a spirit of deception that's loose in this earth. People are confused about gender. Not right now. You can ask Tommy later. He's got a redneck way of saying that. God made them male and female. There are one ethnic group being driven by demonic forces against other ethnic groups. Mm. Y'all realize that God 
On the day of Pentecost, God released and loosed something powerful and united people when He had them speak in languages from the known world and brought them together. Mm. I want to close this in 2 Peter chapter 3. Peter wrote this. This is my second letter to you, dear friends. In both of them, I've tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember what the holy prophets said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. Most importantly, I want to remind you in the last days, scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. They'll say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, <coughs> everything has remained the same since the world first created. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of His command. And He brought the earth out of the water and surrounded it with water. Then He used the water to destroy the ancient world of the mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise as some people think. No. He's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. For the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives should you live. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you speak to us. Lord, that we can comprehend and understand the times that we live in. And Lord, I believe you're speaking to us that these times are indeed those times that are closing toward the end of this age, of this period in our history, to move us toward that eternity with You. And Lord, I believe that Your message to us today is to live a holy and a godly life before You. Lord, to serve You. To walk with You. Holy Spirit, stir within us. Stir within us. If you're here this morning, and your focus has not been on living righteously, living for the one true Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, 
If you've allowed things to get in the way, if you've allowed sin to creep into your life, I just want to pray with you. God does want us set free from sin. He wants us walking with Him. And the time to just play around and not really get serious with God is over with. Maybe you've just let things get cold in your life. You say, Lord, I need a fire rekindled in me. If any of that reply applies to you, I want you just to stand right where you are. We're going to have a word of prayer. We're going to commit ourselves to God. But I'm the first one standing. God, light a fire in me. Times are too close. Too close. Too close. If you're able to, just lift a hand or lift your hands. Just worship Him. Father, as we stand before You, Lord, it's with repentant hearts. And Father, I ask that in the name of Jesus, Lord, a fire be kindled in us. Lord, start with me. Father, set us aflame by the Spirit of God. Set us on fire with Your anointing, with Your glory. Lord, just set us so much on fire, others come from miles around to watch us burn. Lord, I just pray right now that no one under the sound of my voice leaves Father the way they came in. But Lord, in Jesus' name, change us. Father, right now we just surrender it to you. Surrender it to you. Just sing it, Judy. Lord, give us that peace. Give us that peace, Lord. Call her my love.